drivers, start your engines! It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting week of Southern Race Week. As always, often imitated but never duplicated, this is the show that gives you short track, super speedway, NASCAR, fast car. As long as it's got four wheels, we talk about it, and sometimes, too, right here on this show. Southern Race Week uh, with me, yours truly, WB, a.k.a. William Barber. And, of course, sitting high atop his producer, Pitbox, to the stars, ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, Alperamo! Hello, hello, William. Glad to be with you again this week on another exciting episode of Southern Race Week Radio as we say goodbye to another Cup season and and uh, congratulate Chase Elliott. How about yeah. that, William? From Dawsonville, Georgia, father and son, now NASCAR Cup Series champions as a Bill Elliott and was in attendance there at Phoenix. And how emotional it must have been for the both of them to go through that. Uh, they had some great uh, – I saw watching the uh, television broadcast on NBC, the embracing of the two of them there during the uh, post-race uh, interview. Just quite a moment, not only for Chase, but I'm sure for, uh, uh, for Bill as well. For his dad and for his mom, uh, you know, I, Barb and I were watching, you know, the president, CEO of Southern Race Week, and I were watching the final laps of the race there. Yeah, I was telling Barb, you know, it was just a couple of years ago that whenever we wanted to have Chase on the show, even after he got with Hendrick Motorsports, we had to reach out to Chase's mom because he, she was his PR person. Remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, remember when Chase would come by the studio and see us in Atlanta and stuff? I right. mean, it was his mom that we had to reach out to because she was his PR director. Uh, so, you know, hey, it's it's great to see Chase, another another one of those drivers that came through cutting their teeth at the, uh, the Thunder Ring in Atlanta Motor Speedway for Thursday Thunder and just goes to show you that uh, I was right once again. I hate to – my wife hates it whenever I am. but. I called it Chase Elliott wins championship with a battle going down to the final wire with Kevin Harvick, AK or uh, Denny Hamlin. But um, I called it, he win the Roval, he'd be in the championship and then he won. So there you go. Drop yeah. the mic. Yes. Congratulations to Chase Elliott. They had a great parade and celebration in Dawsonville, Georgia earlier this week. He drove down there with the car and, Drove to the streets, did a couple of uh, donuts there in the middle of uh, downtown Dawsonville, and then they had a big old. Uh, he, he was there at City Hall, accepted the key to the city, and um, you know I'm sure the exciting. I'm sure the entire city of Dawsonville is uh, very proud of their hometown hero there and Chase Elliott, and of course, uh, you know Bill Elliott as well, champion in his own right. So uh, just amazing to see uh, that generation there, and in, in both you know. Uh, you know, Bill Elliott for so many years, popular driver of the year, you know, most popular driver and, and um, always, uh, you know, for that generation brought a lot of exciting NASCAR racing. And now the, the name of uh, Elliott has now transitioned into this generation of, of new and upcoming drivers. And many of them didn't even know who Bill Elliott was probably. So uh, if anything, Chase brings that legacy of his uh, dad out to the limelight 
for uh, many people who did probably didn't know much about Bill Elliott's career might now through Chase, you know, open that door for other people to uh, learn about the career of, of, of Bill Elliott as well. So I think if anything, Chase's victory and championship also highlights his dad's championship and his career at his time. If you just join us on this week's edition of Southern Race Week, driven by Food Depot grocery stores, today we have Winston Kelly on the show. He's going to be uh, talking with Alfie a little bit about final broadcast uh, on doing track side play-by-play type deal. Winston Kelly, and then also to uh, NHRA 2020 Rookie of the Year, Justin Ashley is going to stop by and talk with us a little bit. I'm JoJo Wilkinson, driver number 11 with the Pro-Light model from Newtown, Alabama, and you're listening to Southern Raceway. Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie yet again bringing you another brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio as we have wrapped up the cup season for 2020. Xfinity and the uh, Truck Series this past weekend at Phoenix. And once again, congratulations going out to uh, hometown boy done good from Dawsonville, Georgia, Chase Elliott, who was the crown, the 2020 Cup champion this past weekend. And then, of course, they had a great parade and celebration in Dawsonville, Georgia, to also uh, celebrate Chase's Cup championship. And one of the many uh, gentlemen that were on hand for this great celebration was Winston Kelly of the Motor Racing Network. He's also a vital part of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And this past weekend, Winston hung up his uh, headphone and his microphone. He's retired from the Motor Racing Network as far as full-time broadcasting of races. So let's head on over to the uh, Food Depot hotline and welcome in live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Winston Kelly. Uh, it's great to be back on with you, and uh, those introductions ought to be reserved for, you know, the Chase Elliotts of the world. But uh, it's great to be on again, and uh, it was an incredible, incredible season without question, uh, probably the most unique that any of us have ever been through. In the 30-plus years you've been working broadcasting NASCAR races and, and everything you've done in your illustrious career, where do you rank the 2020 COVID 19 season amongst the uh the memories and uh and thoughts of your illustrious 30-year career well in terms of uniqueness it's probably the most unique year in the 63 years i've been on this planet (laughs) but as far as a as a race season you know i've always been one of those i can't say anything is you know the best or the worst you know or or whatever when i look at our three seven-time champions i can't pick one of them as the best i would say there are three of the four who would be on Mount Rushmore of NASCAR drivers, and the debate would be who would be the four. So, you know, it was certainly unique. Uh, and when I look at, I think the thing that is going to be the biggest outcome uh, from this year is the collaboration, the cooperation within the industry to get this done and to identify things that we can do different because. You know, we have done a lot of the same things the same way from our race week schedule to where we go. And even though we've mixed up the schedule, some not to the nature that it's going to be. Uh, so, you know, place, uh, the places that I've worked uh, have said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. And I think NASCAR, uh, under their leadership with Jim France, Mike Helton, Steve Phelps, Lisa Kennedy, 
Ben Kennedy, Steve O'Donnell, the whole crowd, John Bobo, have done a phenomenal job. But it took, and they will tell you, because I talked to pretty much everybody I just named this weekend, and they will tell you, this was an industry effort. It was the tracks. It was the media partners. It were the teams, the, the other partners, the sponsors. Uh, so it was a huge team effort. Everybody was pulling the same boat or, or pull, you know, rowing in the same direction. You know, mm-hmm. I think about the job I had uh, when I was at Duke Power Company. When we had a storm that we had to get people back online, any turf, any uh, communication issues, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, went away. And everybody had a singular focus. And NASCAR had a stated focus, which the industry not only bought into but supported is – we need to get all of our national series races in. Mm-hmm. They didn't say on time. Now I would have lost the bet uh, that we would have been done on time if we'd have made that bet in in May. I would have taken the bet that we would have been done that we would get all the races in, and the flexibility that people saw, the creativity that people saw, and following the policies, the procedures, and the protocols. The first race I went to was June in Miami because right out of the box, they wanted to make sure the same people were going week in and week out to be able to minimize the amount of contact. So I could not, with my duties at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, I couldn't do the midweek races. So even though it's my last year with MRN and I'm the senior pit reporter, it wasn't my place to say, well, I should get an exception right? because I shouldn't. You know, I needed to go when it was the right time for me to go. Similarly, I didn't ask for an exception to go to observe as an NASCAR Hall of Fame because uh, I felt like I would get that opportunity and be able to see the procedures that, you know, they needed to use those spots to show other sports what we were doing uh, to help sports in general. So it was just the single mindedness focus of let's do it safe, let's do it right, let's get all the races in. And the teams followed those protocols by not intermingling the road crew back at the shop and you know crew you know i talked to uh to one of rick hendrick's top uh communications folks uh, a couple of weeks ago about three weeks ago about something and he said i have not seen mr h since march and they said i've talked to him on zoom a bunch <laughs> but i haven't seen him since march you know and i could give you example after example of that that people did that i talked to jack roush last week about something else and you know he hadn't been at the racetrack you know, and he quipped, he said, I'm 78 years old. I said, yeah, we want you to get to be 79. Right. That's important. So it's it's just uh, following, you know, I was in the, not, I was not in the garage because, you know, the one thing I missed the most this year is that interaction with the crew members, the crew chiefs, and the conversations before the race. Uh, but I was at the racetrack and I saw that there was separation of people. I didn't see Steve Phelps until he was here at the NASCAR Hall of Fame doing a, um, a, a media interview with his mask on and everything else. And I must have been at 12 or 15 weekends that uh, that he was there. So people followed the protocols. I, I saw Jim France and Mike Helton at the hotel that we both stayed at, just happened to, in Kansas City. But again, abiding by the social distancing and wearing the masks and things like that. So... Uh, it was realizing that there's a greater good than than my perspective and teams and everybody being willing to say we can't just look for our perspective you know whether you know people that might have wanted practice or qualifying or people that 
you know, wanted to go to a certain market, you know, if we couldn't go to that market, you know, selfishly, I hate that we lost the all-star race from Charlotte, but I fully support it. And I think Bristol did a night, did an incredible job. And we were able to have 20,000 fans who were socially distant. Uh, speaking of Winston Kelly here on Southern Race Week Radio, and our show is based out of Georgia, so we have to touch a little bit on Chase Elliott. I don't think a lot of people gave him a shot at even getting to the Final Four. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised that Kevin Harvick did not advance and Chase was able to win his way into compete. You can tell just how important that championship victory was to him. And to see him embrace his dad with that history there with just Bill Elliott alone and now Chase following his dad's footsteps with a, a championship. You were there on site. How special was it for you to see that interaction between Chase and his dad celebrating that championship? Well, people ask me all the time, you know, what are your favorite and, and most memorable, whether it's victory lanes or moments. And it's always those that have that special emotion that have something different about it, <clears throat> something unique. And, you know, it could be Terry Labonte winning the last Southern 500 before we came back. And Terry's not overly emotional, but you could tell how much it meant to him having won his first race there. When Dale Earnhardt Jr. won uh, in the nationwide now Xfinity Series honoring his dad's induction into the Hall of Fame, those are the moments that I always remember. Uh, and this is one of those. This this will be one of those uh, that I'll always remember. Uh, Bill and I have been friends for a long time, in large part because of the late, great Marnie Hall, who was friends with Bill, that, that made us friends. And, you know, we've talked and and. And I, I remember asking him uh, in Darlington when he was still in the in the uh, Xfinity series, what is it you see in him? And he said, you know, and I said, take your dad hat off, take your dad hat off. And he said, the kid has an uncanny ability to translate to his crew chief what he needs in a car. And every driver needs something different. Uh, and then Bill and I got to talk uh, after the race uh, when we were waiting for a post-race wasn't a huge celebration. It was really just a toast. And uh, one of the things that uh, the champion does is donate something to us to go in our per permanent collection. And we were talking about Chase's progression. Uh, and Bill mentioned how much winning the race in Watkins Glen, winning that first race got him over the hump because Chase has been so hard of, up to that point, hard on himself. <clears throat> and, when he almost lost that race going into turn one and going way wide, gathered it back in, kept Martin Truex Jr. behind him, and held him off for the rest of that race, we talked about how much that meant to his confidence then uh, and how his confidence has built. So I, I think your perception is right about his emotion, and I think in Chase's case, it was a combination of euphoria and relief that the pressure that he's had on him being Bill Elliott's son, being the most popular driver, and the confidence that Rick Hendrick put in him back when he signed him at 14 years old is, I can do this. And and I think then being able with, you know, Bill and Cindy have not been there throughout the year, Mr. Hendrick has not been there, and being able to then celebrate with them and deliver to them, I think it was a combination of euphoria coupled with a little bit of relief that I know I can do this. and And it was special to see uh, when I started to interview him and then he saw his dad and went running to his dad. It's like, I need, sometimes you just need to let a moment breathe. My questions could wait. So, you know, that was just a, you know, an incredible moment. Uh, and for it to be 
the last championship one I'll likely do, and one of the last three interviews along with Jimmy Johnson and Rick Hendrick. Uh, was very special. Now, you mentioned a couple minutes ago Barney Hall, uh, the legendary voice of the Motor Racing Network. I had a great uh, opportunity to visit the MRN offices, and and I saw the Barney Hall studio. And as a radio nerd as I am growing up, always listening to, uh, when I was growing up in Los Angeles, uh, Chick Hearn, uh, Vince Scully, and then moving here to Atlanta, you know, you know Skip Carey and, and uh, Pete Van Weeren, I was inspired by these broadcasters, including yourself and Barney Hall, when I started becoming a NASCAR fan and listening to uh, more NASCAR races on the radio. And so let me ask you something. As as you were, you know, there in Phoenix and you're doing your last race, at least your last full-time race with the Motor Racing Network, was there a lot of, as you got to the track and got ready for the race, was there a lot of flashbacks to, you know, when you started and, and your 30-year career? Were you having a lot of flashbacks and some of the moments that you remember from your career in, in covering NASCAR? Yeah, to some extent, but you know the the preparation is different on pit road than mm. uh, in, in the turn where you just kind of talk about what you see and 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 not to diminish that because I'd love to have the ability to do the play by play that guys like Dave Moody, Kurt Becker, and Mike Bagley can do. That's just not I don't have that cadence. Uh, I can do it, but not nearly at their level. So you know I make a lot of notes of which you might use one or two percent of just to be prepared for the broadcast. So, you know, I went through my normal Friday routine, getting ready for the truck race and, and working on notes, same thing Saturday and Sunday. But I would be lying if I said I, there weren't reflective moments. Uh, I didn't get to share them. You know, the, the, the Wood Brothers, who I always go and see when I'm at the racetrack, haven't been there, Eddie and Lynn. So I didn't get to see those type of guys. But there were certainly reflective moments going back to just being involved with MRN uh, and, and Universal Racing Network when I worked with them going back to 1981. And, you know, the tribute that the network put together that started out with the the fact that I was a pack mule is what Joe Moore said. And he's right. You know, I started out as a gopher in 1987, just carrying equipment, paying my own way to get to the track, finding somebody I knew nearby to stay at their house, my brother, high school, college friends, uh, whatever, uh, and did that for almost two full years before I got the chance to do any on-air broadcasting. And, and and Joe said, you know, he showed John McMullen, the then president, that I just wanted to do it. And, you know, they were either going to have to run me off or give me a microphone. And <laughs> so, yeah, I was was reflective of that. But, but the more than anything, I was thankful. Uh, when Woody Kane said, you know, he said, I want to turn the tables on you. You asked Jimmy Johnson what his feelings are. He said, what are your feelings? And I said, well, first and foremost, I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, that these 34 years have been beyond my wildest dreams. You know, I just wanted to do 10 or 12 races or weekends a year and be a part of this industry. To For it to evolve to uh, almost a second full-time job and then also be a part of what opened the door uh, and, and why I was asked to apply for the job as executive director at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It has been beyond my, my wildest dreams. The friendships, the relationships are by far the most important and the thing that means the most. Uh, and then when they had people like Richard Petty and Rick Hendrick, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Dale Jr., uh, who took their time to participate in what was just an, not just a, an audio thing, but but I found out later it was a video thing, you know, it was huge. 
I mean, it was just, it was huge for me personally, uh, huge for me professionally. So I was thankful of that. Uh, and uh, but now's the right time for a lot of reasons, personally and professionally. And you know, the the last thing I said was, "Don't be sad. Something is over. Be thankful and glad that it happened." Uh, and, and that were, was my true feelings. Uh, and uh, the Hall of Fame staff surprised me yesterday uh, with a gathering, that socially distanced gathering, uh, but, but surprised me with that, showed the video. But uh, what meant the most is uh, my longtime girlfriend was there, her daughter, son-in-law, and her three-and-a-half and one-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter and grandson, which are a large part of why now at 63 is the right time. Uh, and it just accentuated how fortunate I was, but also uh, how this next chapter I'm, I'm very excited for. And I'm still going to be at the Hall of Fame, so I'll still get to go to the racetrack. So it's not like I'm uh, – that would be a lot harder if I was just walking away totally. So, uh, yeah, I, I looked back, but also uh, reflected and looked forward to well, uh, Mr. Kelly, let me tell you something. You are a legendary broadcaster in all forms of that word, and uh, you will definitely, as far as this broadcaster is considered, one of the many people that inspired me and that I looked up to. So uh, thank you so much for taking time to join us and uh, continued success, and hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road and keep up with what's going on with the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I look forward to it, and all the best to you folks at Southern Raceway Radio, Alfred, and uh, stay in touch with us. This is Tim Coon from MRN, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie yet again bringing you another brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio as we are wrapping up here the motorsports season. Uh, the Cup Series just wrapped up. Last weekend, NHRA and IndyCars have been wrapped up here for the last few weeks. We're kind of winding down here during this season of Southern Race Week Radio, but we want to highlight and focus on some of those other series that wrapped up earlier in the month. And one of those series is the NHRA, which uh, wrapped up just uh, a few weeks ago, crowning all of their champions and another award that was uh, given away during that event was the NHRA Rookie of the Year Honors. And on the Food Depot hotline right now, the recipient of that great honor, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Mr. Justin Ashley. I am glad to be on, and that was a great introduction. Oh, Mr. Ashley, we got to welcome in a big deal guest with a big deal <laughs> introduction. So welcome back. Even though I am a big uh, NASCAR fan, I am getting to the NHRA series. I went to the Atlanta event uh, a couple of years ago, and, man, I got to tell you, it is something uh, much more intense than going to a NASCAR race for sure. Those cars going down uh, those tracks, the bikes, the the funny cars, all of that, the top dragsters. I mean, it's crazy, and I can only imagine what it's like inside the cockpit when someone says to you, what's it like to be in that car doing those speeds? Is there any way you can describe something like that? Yeah, it's funny. That's probably the most commonly asked question I get is, how do you describe what it's like inside that car? And 
there's really no way to describe it. Even when you're there, it's such a sensory experience just to be standing there watching the cars, whether you're on the starting line or walking around or in the stands. But actually when you're in that car behind 10,000 or 11,000 horsepower, uh, there's really nothing like it. It's really difficult to compare uh, relative to anything else that you can do. Uh, you know, just like anything else in life, uh, you know, the more you do it, the more you get used to it. But with the amount of G-forces and with the horsepower, it catches your attention really quick. Uh, it is super violent. And, uh, you know, those G's really set you back in your seat. I mean, you've got to have some serious, uh, I don't know what kind of uh, correct word I can <laughs> use on this program here. You've got to have some serious no fear when you're getting and in, in, in doing the kind of sport that you're doing. It's extremely dangerous. How did you get involved or how did this sport, uh, you know, become something that you thought, you know what, I think this is something that I want to do? Yeah, for me, I grew up around the racetrack. Uh, you know, my father raced funny car professionally for many years, and uh, it was just something that was kind of in my blood. I spent a lot of time at the racetrack growing up, and, you know, I wasn't always sure that that was the, the career path I wanted to take, but the truth of the matter is I just couldn't stay away from it. Uh, you know, I ended up venturing off into a lot of other stick and ball sports, whether it was football or baseball, but I always came back to drag racing because that's what I love to do, and I love to be around it. I love to race and be in that seat. But I also love the NHRA community as a whole. And just to be a part of that family uh, is really something that I always strive for and something that I'm proud of. So, you know, there's definitely no room for fear uh, in this sport. If you're scared, it's probably not a good idea to get behind the wheel. Uh, but it's something that over the course of time I've been around. So I've just kind of become uh, accustomed to to the way the sport operates. Now, winning Rookie of the Year honors, I mean, that's such a big deal. Was that a goal going into the season? Was that something you were striving to become as Rookie of the Year? And and, and if so, a achieving that goal, how does it feel now that you've had a couple of weeks to kind of digest everything and, and kind of soak everything in uh, for you to be known now as Rookie of the Year? How has that been settling in for you? Yeah, I mean, to win 2020 NHRA Rookie of the Year is a privilege. Uh, it's as simple as that. I mean, for us as a team, as one unit, uh, you know, that was our goal for this year. We weren't uh, really running for a championship. Uh, our goal was to give ourselves an opportunity to win every race that we were at and to come away with Rookie of the Year. So for us uh, and our whole team, uh, that was just a huge award, a huge objective that we met and uh, just honored um, to be able to receive that award and proud of the team that we have uh, and proud of the fact that we put ourselves in a position to do that. And I'm not really sure that it's totally even sunk in yet. Uh, we're over a week, uh, uh, you know, since I was named Rookie of the Year. And, uh, you know, my name now is etched in history within a great list of, of drivers and some of the best to ever do it in this sport. So, to be a part of that list is really awesome. I still think it's probably going to take a few more weeks before it actually sinks in. <laughs> uh, but just something that, um, you know, I'm super excited about and feel su super fortunate to be able to receive. Speaking with uh, Justin Ashley here on uh, Southern Racer Radio, your 2020 NHRA Rookie of the Year. And uh, tell me about your team. I mean, it's not just about you, obviously. You've got a lot of people who are helping you, your crew, your owners, your team, uh, they're doing everything possible to give you the equipment you need to be able to go out there and race and also secure the great sponsors that 
are also helping you uh, financially to be able to race it in every week and every week out. So uh, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about your team, your sponsors, and and the guys who are there working for you every week to uh, help you receive this amazing honor. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with, whether it's in business or whether it's in life. Uh, you know, it takes a great team around you in order to be successful. And that's what I have. Uh, we have a complete Davis Motorsports team that, from top to bottom, uh, works their tail off on a daily basis. Uh, so we have a car that's fast, a car that runs well, and a car that most importantly is safe. Uh, and we have fun doing it. It really starts with uh, our owner, Dustin Davis, who not only is a car owner, but he's so much more than that. He's actually the clutch guy on our car uh, and works on the car uh, you know, every day at that racetrack. And our crew chief, Aaron Brooks, who, who's the one who makes all the calls, uh, and the rest of the team, they just do such a fantastic job of, of putting us in a good position. I mean, for me, honestly, as funny as it sounds, I have the easy job. I have the fun job. I just get to sit in the car and go straight and have fun. But they are sweating, and they put their blood, sweat, and tears into this, uh, all because they love to do it and all so we can come away with a win. So, uh, you know, it's really all about the team. It's about the team effort. It's about uh, our marketing partners and our sponsors uh, like Strutmasters, uh, like Auto Shocker, like Cotto, Menards, Manscaped, the list goes on and on, who have put us in a position to be able to do this because it's about team and it's about funding. And uh, we were able to uh, to put those two things together really well this year. And uh, the result was really good. And it's our goal to uh, to keep that going for many years to come. Well, now you get to enjoy the off season. You got some time to relax and wine and, and kind of put things in perspective before you get back into uh the swing of things in uh, 2021 with NHRA. So um, when you're away from the track, when you have some off time during the off season here, what, what do you like to do to kind of unwind and, and enjoy your time away from the track? Yeah. So the funny thing about me is uh, now that it's the off season, uh, it just gets even busier. <laughs> right. uh, I am a uh, fix and flip real estate investor in New York. So, uh, you know, that just opens up that much more time for me to focus on that business. Uh, you know, my, my relaxing time is when I go racing. Uh, that's really when I'm able to relax and have fun. And now that the off season's here, it's like, uh-oh, man, 100% of my time's got to be focused on the business, which is really good. I'm excited about that. Uh, but, you know, I'm definitely going to miss racing over these next four months or so and uh, just take this opportunity to build and expand upon our racing program and build and expand upon our fix and, fix and flip business. So, you know, come uh, 2021, we're in a better position uh, as a whole than we are today. Well, Mr. Ashley, if our listeners want to keep up with your career, keep up with what's going on in your career and uh, what's coming up in 2021 with you and the team and and, and your and, uh, the racing schedule, uh, where can they go to keep up with you on social media and what's going on with you? Yeah, uh, you know, I have a lot of really exciting stuff on social media, a lot of uh, fix and flip construction projects and uh, a lot of racing content that's out there and fun to watch. They can follow me uh, on Facebook on my athlete page, Justin Ashley, or on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at the Justin Ashley, at the Justin Ashley. So, um, you know, for any of those fans who uh, who want to take a look, go ahead and take a look. Uh, super engaging, super fun content. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking time to join us this week on uh, Southern Race Week Radio. Congratulations like you're on your Rookie of the Year honors, and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, your career progress, and hopefully we'll see you holding uh, another championship down the road soon. 
I appreciate it. Thank you for your kind words, and thank you for having me on. This is Larry McReynolds of NASCAR on Fox, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, race fans, it's another exciting week, I guarantee you, because, uh, hey, Chase Elliott, Georgia boy, uh, won the championship for the NASCAR um, uh, Cup Series, and to win that at the ripe age of 24 slash 25 years old, um, and like Alfie, you were talking about earlier, um, uh, now Chase Elliott bring a new light or a revisited light to uh, his father, uh, Bill Elliott, and the great success that Bill had over the years. And speaking of Chase, he is the third youngest NASCAR Cup Series champion right there. So a very young age uh, winning that championship. So, uh, yeah, and also, uh, as we mentioned before we get out of here, Want to thank our great guest, uh, Winston Kelly of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, called his last full-time race for the Motor Racing Network. And then also Justin Ashley stopping by the NHRA Rookie of the Year. So uh, glad to have him aboard as well. Uh, William, as you mentioned at the opening of the show, if you missed any of the exciting content of this week's program, or if you want to go back and listen to some of our previous shows, the podcast is available for you every Monday on one of your favorite podcasting platforms of iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Just go to the respective sites, search for Southern Race Week Radio, and you'll be able to find our podcast, or also download those respective apps for iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud as well, William. So uh, also don't forget about uh, us on social media, on uh, Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Southern Race Week, on Twitter at SRW Radio. You can follow our fearless leader at WB Radio Network and yours truly at Alfie underscore 19. And then also, if you want to email me, let me know what's going on. If you have a, a young race team that you're looking to promote here on the program, you can do that at srwradio at yahoo.com, William. Till next week, I'm WB. And I'm Alfie. We'll see y'all at a racetrack near you.